Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell. What's going on? I'm, you know, I'm getting tired of the same intro after five years. <laughs> I could tell <laughs> at the beginning of it. It sounded like you were hanging on a ledge. <laughs> Maybe I'll just start doing it in different voices, like Bugs Bunny or the Smurfs or something every episode, just to make it like, not so repetitious to me. <laughs> How's everything going? Uh, it is. Um, it's been a hectic couple of weeks. I, I, yeah. I could tell that I'm getting old now that I'm pushing 50, because I had this talk with D. Let me get D in here. Let me introduce our magnificent yes. producer. Yes. Pushing all of the sanitized buttons in her hermetically sealed bubble in the next room. The fabulous D.D.D. the producer. Mm-hmm. That's me. So I was telling, um, who does that? That's me. Oh, is that Butters from South Park? Yeah. It's Butters. Yeah. That's, That's me. That's me. That's me. me something. Now, I was telling Dee today, like, for somebody like me who just loves and covets words, and, you know, I read a lot, and I love the human language, and, and just to, talking, and I never stop talking, ever, even in my sleep, um, <laughs> just to be online and just to see people, like, just say words, like, oh, uh, I wish a protester would walk in front of my car, I'd shoot him, I'd kill him, I'd kill people all day, I'd kill motherfuckers all day, uh. it's like, no, you wouldn't, no, you wouldn't no, do not that at all. You're just saying words. Like one time this guy, and I, I never know what the payoff is for this for these people acting like assholes online. When um, Pokemon Go was real big, and some guy's like, yeah, yeah, let some seven-year-old come chasing one of those packing men onto my property. I'll shoot him. I was like, you're, you're going to shoot a seven-year-old dude? Yeah, yeah, one toe over my property. And I'm just like, the internet has made it so words don't mean anything anymore. And that just makes me sad because it just makes like words meaningless. True. Sometimes. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's a a brave soul behind the key, you know, the, the keyboard and in a in a in a anonymous uh uh profile. So um, yeah, I see it all the time, man. But it's not even brave. It's like they say stuff like that's just crazy, and I'm like, there's no way you can function, be a functioning adult, and believe that. Like one time a couple of years ago, this was the first great Antifa war, like two or three years ago. Someone was like, there's supposed to be an Antifa civil war today. And I, and I was like laughing, making fun of the guy. He's like, bullshit. I'm looking out my window now and Antifa's rounding people up and shooting them. And I was like, oh, no, God. they're not. Like, and so is that guy crazy or is he just saying words? A little both. I think uh, it's a reflection. A lot of this is a reflection of what is going it, – it, you're in some ways you're the re, you're a reflection of the leadership that is put in. Oh, so yeah. if oh, you, certainly. if you, right. So if you look at what's going on, like coming home from work and where I work, I, I 
I have to deal with a lot of that stuff anyways. But when I come home and you see it on TV and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is really playing out. Like the stuff that is coming out is really playing out and people, you know, people jump on it and they run with it and they feed off of that. And that's, that's their bread and butter that, I mean, look at, look at the disparity of people that, you know, watch Fox news or watch CNN or read the Huffington post or every, and, and you, and you, and you look at the age gaps in those things and you're just like, Oh my gosh. And this is the only thing that people watch. This is what they live in because it just keeps catering to those paranoia, you know, mindsets. Dude. I feel like that Axios interview the other day with Jonathan Swan and Trump, if they never oh, released it, and I'm not being hyperbolic, I mean this, if they never released yeah. that for some reason, took the fucking transcript and stuck it in a Borat-type movie, you would never know the difference. Yeah, you would have it no clue. It was like and, and the, a Borat. I was like, how is this reality? And the amazing thing about it is, is that uh, the interview was just your basic interview with basic questions. That's what was so mind-boggling about the whole thing. It was like somebody asked Trump a question, and then they actually asked him a follow-up question. And it's just him and the interviewer, so he can't look around. He can't get help from anybody. He can't distract himself with somebody else in the room and try to point blame to them. It was basically like, oh, well, I know this is happening. Well, how is it happening? Because I know it's happening. Well, where are you getting this information? Manuals. Yeah, Yeah, people told me. Yeah. It, it was amazing. It was like oh, a gosh, verbal man. diarrhea Rube Goldberg machine. Like, it was just yep. like he would tell one stupid lie, and then, like, the little boot would kick the marble into the bucket, and he'd tell another one, and a little bucket would fall, and, like, water would sprinkle down on flowers, and they would grow, and it's a nut. Like, it was just like a crazy, like, I'm hearing the Looney Tunes, Rube Goldberg, like, da 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 the whole time yeah. he's fucking talking. To it. It, it, it is, yep. it's crazy times, man. But since this is a music oh, yeah. show, I am going to put myself back on the leash and get ready to get tonight's <laughs> guest in here. I'll go too far yeah. in this rabbit hole. Um, D, do you know who's coming up on the show? Uh, hold on. Actually, I'll pull it up here. Uh, we've got George from Radio for Universe coming up in the coming week. Texas Terry Bomb. And Stuart Sweezy is coming on in a little bit, too, from Desolation Center, yeah. which is an amazing documentary oh my that gosh. we'll get into later on tonight. But yeah. if nobody has anything else, D, are you good? Oh, yeah. where can we find us online? We never tell people. Uh, where to find you can us. always go to musicalosmosis.com. You can also check our Facebook. And actually, if you do check our Facebook, there is a really cool new video just dropped today from Jeremiah Watkins. Um, it's called uh, From a Distance. It is a rap video, and my voice is in it just a little bit. I definitely recommend you check it out. It's that actually That is cool. right. I am such a self-centered right. asshole for not mentioning that. I apologize. <laughs> yes, it is incredible. <laughs> D was in here, like, laying down the vocal chops. I'm so proud of you, D. I, I hope to see you do more and more stuff as yeah, time I mean, rolls along. Especially, you know, during quarantine and, you know, pandemic time. Uh, it's... It's gotten a lot easier, I think, for creatives to reach out and just be like, hey, I want to work on this project. Who wants to help? And I'm like, you know what? Hell, why not? You know, it's not like I'm Change doing the anything else. For sure. Right. All right. Tonight's guest was forged in the fires of political activism and grassroots organizing, a fierce voice of the people whose music will get your blood pumping and awaken your soul. Musician, activist, and organizer Rebecca Redbait from the proletariat crust core band Redbait. Rebecca, hello, hello, and welcome. Hey. That was like the best introduction I've ever heard. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you and um, your band for what you do, man. The stuff that you guys yes. are doing, the work you're doing is really fucking important. I appreciate that. We try really hard. Thank you. So let me kind of start with this because I know a little bit about your backstory, and I know all six of you met through activism, through that community, and then you started playing music, formed the band, and all of you are still heavily involved in activism but I, I, I want to kind of start off with a philosophical question. Now that you've been playing in this band in particular, in Red Bait for three years, do you kind of consider yourself a musician? Or are you still in like the mind frame, hey, I'm an activist, just kind of using music as this platform to engage and activate other people? Oh, I'm definitely just an activist. 
there are um, <laughs> some, there's some musicians in my band, fortunately, but I'm I'm I I just pretend at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't even call myself a singer so much as just a vocalist because. I think even singing is kind of a generous term for what happens. In- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should um, sell it short, though, man, because your stage presence is remarkable. Yeah. And I mean, to me, growing up in the vaudevillian Alice Cooper age, I was real big into showmanship. And that, to me, is more important in some ways than actual musical talent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree, obviously. So. <laughs> And and then just yeah, to, totally. just to bounce off of what Nick was saying, you guys, is it true that you guys like met at a specific show? You you all were supposed to play. You were in different bands at the time, and then something happened. But you all had like a mutual thing with like the Misfits and Black Flag. So you guys did like a cover set, and then yeah. boom, it just gelled. <laughs> I mean, that's that's essentially it. We actually met um, doing Ferguson activism through a community center. Um, and we mm-hmm. were, um, and I, I, we're from St. Louis, which is uh, the city that Ferguson is the suburb there. And in 2014, mm-hmm. there was the murder of Michael Brown. I'm sure you remember. Yep. And, uh, oh, yeah. Protests and such here. Um, so we were all doing that. And we got involved in um, this community center. We started booking shows there. And it just happened that at one point, you know, a band dropped off the last minute and we only had one band coming to town so we're like we can just throw together a cover set really quick and like you play drums and madeline can sing some songs and i got some misfits and you know we just kind of threw it together really quick and people then asked us to play a second show for like a halloween party so we did that um and then yeah after that we just started recording um originals you know and it kind of I think, you know, the two vocalist thing at first seemed a little bit superfluous, you know, we're like, is this really going to work? But then, you know, I feel like it kind of just did. (laughs) It kind of just worked. That's awesome. Alan's got that, like, high-pitched thing going on, and I can do the gutturals and stuff. And, um, you know, we we write together pretty well. She's got much more of an analytical kind of, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, she's more of a... um, she writes papers and is a you know studies labor and such and I'm just kind of a you know an old punk so <laughs> that's kind of how it works out um, uh, together like that so um, yeah I don't know it just works strangely. <laughs> just as an aside too, when you say Ferguson, I feel like I've aged 20 years since then. Like time flies so fast now. That, I mean, if you talk about something crazy that Trump said six months ago, it seems like 10 years ago. Ferguson, like, now seems like ancient history, even though it was only five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It does seem like a long time ago. It's it's almost like this is like a new generation of activists, you know, for the George Floyd protests and things like that, to where, you know, the, the people out protesting today were maybe teenagers <laughs> when when Ferguson happened. So, it, and it feels different now. It feels much more like um actual um you know progress is being made in terms of of uh you know defunding the police and and different things like that um more so than what we saw in 2014 for sure um so it's good and that's and that's pretty nuts yeah and that's the same way here i live in baltimore so you know the whole freddie gray seems like a a a lifetime ago but yeah but it was so amazing how um with with the, the the George Floyd thing, the Maude Aubrey, it just fueled everything back up. It just like kicked everything back in. And people were like, people that were in those respective cities that have been traumatized by those situations, all of a sudden were like, no, nope, we're done. We're done. We're It's time. It's time to, to you know, to do something yeah, about definitely. this. And it, it really should just remind everybody that no uprising fails. Each one builds exactly. on the last one, you know? So even if you don't see kind of the exe- the immediate results you know maybe you've built progress towards the next time and unfortunately it does take decades but you know it's it should give you a little bit of hope that at least we are making progress and it's funny because um the punk community of course has always been very politically active and very socially aware and dave dichter just posted something today about punk the vote and i was wondering as somebody who has their foot firmly in both worlds what is that balance like? Do you feel like you're making a lot more movement since Red Bait has gotten together and doing the music? How does it compare to the activism? And do you feel like as far as engaging people and results? 
um, I mean, St. Louis, the, the, the punk scene in St. Louis, unfortunately, is not very political at all and hasn't been um, for like historically. I think now it's, it's different. Now we finally have kind of a feminist movement. We've got people who are, you know, I mean, there's, I take some issue with call out culture. That's a whole other issue. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but at least there's some of that happening to where we're, we're you know, we're trying to be inclusive and trying to be intersectional and we're making inroads there. Um, it's, it's taken a really long time for this town to come around to that kind of uh, mindset. When I was coming up here, uh, it was a much different, you know, it was a lot of just drunk punk, you know, fighting and just, you know, terrible people and not a lot of political uh, activism really at all. I'm, in fact, I, there's really not too much of that happening. I think red bait is probably it. Wow. <laughs> like oh, wow. Bands here. Yeah. I mean, we like, it's, it's not so much like we now have allies, right? Like, so we've got like a lot of our friends, bands and stuff they're playing that agree with us, but there's no like overt, you know, political bands so much in the way that there are in sort of the larger, you know, punk hardcore communities. Um, St. Louis is really kind of. That's a lot different though, Adele, than where we came up because we came up in the DC area and there was a lot of politics coming out of there. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. All the way, you know, I think when um, one of the first shows I ever went to was, it was like a, um, it was like a punk ska show right across at the Lafayette park, right across from the white house. And um, I think that was the first time like my eyes were really, I mean, being African-American, I've always, um, I've had that just because my parents had to go through a whole bunch of stuff and they marched and they, and, and the things that they've experienced. But um, I know, and Nick, you, uh, I, it's, it's just interesting. First off, uh, kudos to, uh, to you guys. So something is happening in St. Louis because uh, reading about a uh, Corey Bush winning was, was yeah. moving. Uh, that was incredible yeah. hearing that news this morning, waking up. I was like, Holy moly, that is awesome. And her story is awesome. If anybody, doesn't know her story. It's a, it's an incredible story. But the um, guy she's out um, unseated hasn't he been in there for like ever, like twenty something. Yeah. Hours? Well, he's, there's a family dynasty going on there, and and so her unseating him was was fantastic. She actually spoke at one of our shows. We had we had oh, oh nice. Um, he, I forget it was a few years ago. She was running for a different seat back then, but we had Bruce Franks, who was another like he's not in politics anymore, but he's a really also um, a great. He's a really interesting guy to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, he came and did like some freestyle rapping, and Corey showed up and spoke, and we had a hardcore show together. And it was just it was fantastic. Beautiful. Excellent. Oh, that's awesome. We had a lot of but, really good wins at the election uh, this yesterday. So good. That's that's really good. I know, and Nick, you probably remember this about a year and a half ago. We had um, Shauna Potter from War and Women on on our on on the podcast, and and she does a lot of activism and and setting up the uh, protests and things. Can you tell people how difficult and how thorough you have to be? A lot of people see it on TV and they just think, oh, it's a bunch of people meeting in a park and we're marching, and then other people jump in and we're moving on, and then other people. But there's so much to it. Can you just give uh, like a slight insight on how that all uh, comes together? Oh man, organizing is one of the most difficult things. Um, it's definitely a coordinated effort, at least the way we do it. I know that there are other groups that do things differently, but we tend to have like a pretty um, regimented way of reaching out to ally organizations, unions, things like that, um, and making sure that we maintain um, communication with those groups and those people it's been really difficult with the pandemic <laughs> yeah yeah, like yeah i can imagine kind of one-on-one relationships are really important but yeah there's there's a there's a there's a plan and then there's call you know um uh turnout calls and, and emails and follow-ups that we do um luckily like there are a lot of groups um in, in the unions here specifically that can get you know gather all their members together and come out in big uh big numbers sometimes for um for the right cause um but yeah there's a coordinated effort for sure (laughs) yeah how does that translate though musically i mean since you guys do have that organizing gene when you put red bait together was it like here's our five-year plan this is where we're going to hit in 2018 2019 and so on or are you just like a lot of bands where you're just kind of playing and seeing where it all takes you 
I mean, as far as the music goes, I think we're just playing and, and seeing where the music goes. It's un, like, it's not, punk has never really been an excellent way to organize people, unfortunately. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of like, it's, it's, a, it's good for like awareness building, I think, but it's very rare that like, you know, you get a show together and then you guys go out and do some real world work. Um, there's mostly, unless you're talking about like veganism, maybe I see that happening through punk, but okay. there, there hasn't been a ton of like, um you know movement towards um you know, working class issues and stuff the way i'd like to see it anyway um but uh i think it's i think it's more of an awareness building and just kind of a camaraderie building exercise the music is and it's really just you know we're fucking pissed we're pissed and somebody yeah, yeah. Know, somebody's gotta hear about it <laughs> so that's why we make music i think for the most part um, you know, and additionally, like it's some of the more, I think, radical ideas that we put into the music, it kind of gives you, um, you know, a sense of like, like, here's the extreme radical side of things. And maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle, you know, if we, if we put ideas that are at the most fringe uh, of the left that we can, maybe then some of these other like socialist ideas and things won't seem quite as insane. <laughs> Right, right. I don't know. But see, here's um, the yeah, thing, no, though. Think... Let, let me jump yeah. in real quick, because this is something that irks me a little bit. And this is something I actually don't agree with. Saying things like these movements, universal health care, um, reining in just this massive corporate corruption, um, just trying to get true equality. And it's all thrown under this banner of radical politics. And, but I consider that reasonable politics. Like, that doesn't seem radical to me. The right to health care? doesn't seem like a radical idea to me. And I think it does damage this whole narrative that it's radical, kind of de like, oh, well, they must be unattainable because that's so radical. Every industrialized nation in the world has universal health care. These just oh, don't, to me, they don't yeah, seem like radical ideas to me. No, it's not. That That is not a radical idea whatsoever. That <laughs> that people should have health care and be able to, like, pay for food and clothing and shelter and education those are not radical ideas but yeah no that's those are completely centered i mean world politics wise like that is a central that's a center idea that's not even that's not even a lot and so many like bernie yeah. progressive ideas get thrown into this radical bucket and i'm like but these seem so real this is a reasonable mo a movement it's radical it hasn't happened yet that's what's insane is that we're lagging behind so many other industrialized countries in this stuff and people are screaming just the most basic social programs or some kind of venezuelan socialism that's going to destroy the fabric of this country that seems radical to me not the inverse of it oh for sure yeah i mean i you know i kind of want to go back to one of the things you were talking about earlier and the way that people sort of um they just use words and they're just trying to own the libs and that kind of thing and, and i think it has mm -hmm. to do with the fact that people just lack so much power in their lives and they are just trying to be right they're just trying to have some kind of like sense of power in their lives and they've chosen the the liberals or whatever as their foe because they can't be racist anymore they can't be sexist anymore it's the progressives it's the, wow we we're the other that's a great so point that's a great point yeah so it doesn't matter like what you say there the arguments don't even register because they just need to hate someone and you're the person that they hate because dude that is the best answer i've ever gotten for that question out of the six thousand people i'm always like what's the payoff why are they doing thank you for that that is a that fucking perfect answer that yeah, is so a great answer. Yeah. Is try to unite the people who work for a living, and I'm talking about everyone who earns a paycheck, right? Like it's not just you know we look at people who think like oh you're a millionaire or whatever. Like no no no, these we're all the the 99%, you know the the working class, and we need yeah. to start hating the people who are hoarding all the wealth, the fucking billionaires and shit. Like those are the people. That's who we need to figure out. Like how do we unite everyone against these policies that don't work for us you know like it's it's crazy to talk to to people who are like oh walmart should pay their employees enough so that they don't have to use social services so we're forcing a welfare state because we allow corporations like walmart to pay people sub poverty wages and yeah and then you say that to a person who works at walmart and they're like no 
Well, like, this Not just no that, sense. the people who always complain <laughs> about taxes, and you're like, but you're subsidizing people who have to go on welfare to make ends meet that work at, uh, at Walmart. You're subsidizing Walmart through your taxes. They should be exactly. paying them enough where they don't have to get social programs that we pay for. But it, it, so much of it is buzzwords and programming. We're this latest one. It's like mail-in voting is a fraud. It's a fraud. But if you sit down and break it down with them and go, okay, so are the troops shouldn't be able to vote? Well, no, no. I mean, they should be able to vote. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when you break that's, it that's down, the first they're thing. not yep. really against mail-in voting. They're against this imaginary zombie army of the dead that are all voting from the grave that never happened except in propaganda and someone's fervent imagination. But yeah. but they just say it because they're words and they need to say something. They just need an enemy. They need some enemy to hate, and then and we're it. For, you know, because so we got to we got to figure out. See, I should probably be playing like country music or something. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> to try to get like these ideas into into the people's heads, you know, so that they start like realizing how, just how much of their working lives are being their, their lives, their hours, their bodies are being taken by people who don't have to work for a living. They just, they have more money than they or their families will ever be able to spend in their lives. Those yep. are the people that we need to unite against. That's the enemy. But trying to convince somebody who lives in, you know, Mess Mountain or whatever. I mean, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. I mean, seriously, if you look at it, you know, we, we're, we're in this time, in you know, this pandemic and, and, and all of this stuff that's happening. But the silver lining in the pandemic was the fact that people actually slowed down and people actually were in front of their TV looking at all of these things that are happening. And they're like, wow, OK, well, I just saw a man get his neck, you know, crushed for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Wow, my essential workers are the same people that I complain about shouldn't get paid more money, but they're the ones that I got to go to. I have to use and they have to be in there working. So attitudes are changing. And I think, like you said, from the top down, from the very top, I think that scares them because it's like people's perspectives are like, wait a minute, that dude that knelt, you know, a couple of years ago, he was actually right. And, and you're starting to see, you know, you start to see this change. And, and like you said, it's, and it's always been like that through history. So it doesn't it matter when or where. percent of right-wing zealots to a point where they're so insane that now yeah. they're like everything is liberal. The Fed, the FBI, the Wall Street Journal, the Pope, John McCain, Mitt Romney, the Tea Party, Fox News, yeah, like anything. Yeah. Ann Coulter, like as soon as somebody criticizes Trump, NASCAR, anything, like if they kneel, if they yeah. criticize Trump, if there's any controversy, it could be a brand of toothpaste. Did you hear Col Gates liberal now? They're socialists. Like they've gone so far, they, they are so down the fascist rabbit hole. Yeah. That they just instinctively, reflectively just say anything is liberal, therefore the enemy of America, that even yep. deviates, like just gets out of lockstep with them one inch. It's crazy how far they've gone. Yeah. 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 I don't, I really don't know what to do to combat that, honestly. Like, I'm, you know, it's, keep yeah, doing what yeah. you guys were doing in St. Louis, getting people in there like Corey Bush and, 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 and getting folks in there that are like from the ground up that you're like, OK, we're it's it, it's it's going to like you said, it's going to take time. It, it's probably take well after our lifetime. But hopefully that you, you just start seeing that push because it's got it's, it's happening. And it's and it's almost like, you know, these people are so desperate and trying to hold on to this little bit, just trying to hold on to what they think they're entitled to. That's the problem, entitlement. Yeah. And then, you know, and and it, and they're losing that. And people are like, uh-uh, not anymore, dude, not anymore. It's it, it's it's happening. And you can either be on board or you, you're gonna you're gonna you, you're gonna be left behind. And let me tell you something that I also love about Red Bait that I think make you guys like really authentic, the real deal. When I go on your Facebook page, and I don't use a whole lot of other social media to compare this to, but when I go on your Facebook page, it is more just activism and articles about things that we should know than it is even band-related stuff. And I don't see mm -hmm. that a whole lot on other band pages. So kudos to you guys for saying, look, we're going to put the message first, even before trying to sell CDs or promote our next show or anything like that. You guys are doing the true work. Yeah, I mean, that's really important to us. It, I, honestly, like all that stuff is really is probably more important than the music. I mean, definitely the music is important, but but the message is really the, the key thing there. 
And that shows, and it also shows with your fan base. And here's something, you know, this is something that's amazing to me, but it's not really all that surprising. You guys have only been together for three years. You don't play a whole lot outside of St. Louis, but you have this huge national following. And I think that goes back to, again, that speaks to your message and that speaks to your authenticity, that you're able to build this coalition of fans that are just so loyal because people are jumping over to the Red Bait page to also find things out. And you don't see that with a lot of bands. Not at you guys' um, level, at least. Yeah, that's really, I'm, that's, um, I'm, I, it's true. It's really true. And I've actually been really surprised at how at the kind of fan base that we ha- do have for just being a, you know, a DIY fan. <laughs> um, it's been kind of shocking, I think, to all of us. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really cool, and I really appreciate that 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 is the case. Um, it's it's really humbling. And, and also, I read in a band cap camp interview um, that you have fans as young as 12 and 13 years old, and that's got to feel good reaching people that's that huge. young. Yeah, and kind of lighting that fuse inside of them for political awareness. You're encoding sure, their yeah. DNA right now. Yeah, our our like target demographic, well not our target demographic, but it seems like our the like our fan base are like daughters of old hardcore dudes. Like that's, <laughs> that's like <laughs> um, which is so cool. I mean, every, like we have kids that reach out to us to do um like interviews for their middle school pro, you know, uh papers and stuff like that and that's just like it yeah, it was That's heart, awesome. Dude, today, my daughter, me and my, or yesterday, rather, me and my daughter were on the phone, and she was like, yeah, they're just trying to push that narrative. And then she was talking about body autonomy, and she's 14 years old. At 14 years old, I was still, like, eating my boogers and playing pirate ship. And to see kids today so aware at 14, I was, a, like, I'm astounded and proud as much as people are, oh, those dumb millennials, which just, I guess, is even younger than millennials, the Zoomers. Um, the kids today have their shit so much more together than our generation, I think, Adele. Yeah, I think, well, to, to, to a point, to a point, because then you flip it on the other side and you got, you know, well, you know, if I get COVID, I get COVID. And I'm like, oh, geez, there we go. But um, no, for the most part, I, I totally agree with you. I think the awareness is there. Um, I think the platforms are really there and they're really open and, and to them. And I think that and I think that's great. And I think that just comes from experience from others who are like, look, we didn't do a lot or we couldn't do a lot. We tried, but this is the avenues that you guys need to go down. And, and here are the platforms that you should really utilize because there's just so much out there that you can use to get your, your viewpoints across. For sure. You know, back in our, back in our day. And it's still, I mean, it's still somewhat, it was all about the flyers. It was all about, you know, going to a show and passing out your flyers. Like, Hey man, we're having a meeting here or a rally here, or this band is playing for this cause here or whatever, but it was all word of mouth. And now you can go on, you know, whatever social media platform, you put it out there and it's like, okay, boom. And it's shared in a, in, in a matter of minutes. So it's amazing. It, it, you know, I think it's truly amazing. And let me touch on one more thing. And I'm going to play a, a song off your EP. The six of you come from a very, very different influences and musical backgrounds and the kinds of bands that you grew up with. Do you think that collective have having so much um, versatility as far as musical influence in the band? Do you think that Red Bait is like, you know, such a success as far as what they're doing because of that or in spite of that? Uh, I love that diversity. So I think because of that, um, mm-hmm. you have kind of um, an organic sort of just geared all over the place as far as genres go. I mean, it's all heavy, but like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting because it's not, you know, we're not in box going to be like, oh, this is like a hardcore song or this is a, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. different and, and novel and it takes you places that you didn't, you don't really expect. So I think that that's, that's what I love about music. I'm kind of tired of the same old formula. I tend to agree, man. Uh, I definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to play some Bread for the Knife off your EP, Cages. Is there anything you want to tell us about this song? Uh, this, is a, this is a vegan song. <laughs> All right, short and sweet. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>
righty, welcome back. We are hanging out with Rebecca Redbait. Um, I want to jump right in and ask you something because you're tackling such important topics. You're bound to get a lot of altercations online, trolls coming at you. What has the backlash been like? Have you gotten just a lot of hate thrown at you? Or do you have social media tricks where you're kind of able to avoid all that? You know, we we haven't really had as much pushback as I would have thought. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. I, I think that I've noticed personally that I the, I get less pushback now that I'm older, and my, my arguments are also pretty well formulated. So sometimes when we do get trolls and things like popping up, we have really good responses for a lot of those things. I mean, I, I like a good debate, frankly, and, and yeah. I don't mind talking to conservatives. I think we have a lot of things in common, to be honest. Like, I really, in my heart, believe that everybody – wants a world where we all you know can there's not like abject poverty people who work full-time can live a decent life i think that that is something we can all agree on we just don't agree on how to get there um and so as long as a person is willing to um you know engage in a in sort of normal discourse then i i'm happy to have those conversations <laughs> like you know good Ideas that don't stand up to challenges aren't worth keeping. So, um, yeah, challenge my ideas. Bring it, you know? Well, and here's the problem. I used to have a political panel show that ran from 2013 to 2016 called The Ignorance Equation. And mm -hmm. I had a very, very right-wing guy on there. And the whole purpose of the show, once I saw the Great Divide coming, was, hey, you know, we may argue and it may get heated, but we could still shake hands and be friends at the end of this. And then once Trump came down that escalator, it was all out the fucking window. And I don't – I never call Trump supporters conservatives because they're not. They don't have – because, you know, the conservatives are for free trade and small government and small deficits. They're not conservatives. So I feel like there's – Democrats, liberals, whatever, conservatives, libertarians, all these other groups. And then in this solar little bucket out here, way out in extremist land, there's the Trump people. And I don't know how to combat that because, once again, I know people who have been lifelong Republicans, never voted for a Democrat in their life, can't get behind mm -hmm. Trump, wrote in like John Kasich in the election, and they're being called liberals and socialists by the Trump people. Yeah, I mean – it's kind of a numbers game too, right? Like you shouldn't spend too much of your time dealing with absolute trolls who aren't willing to even agree on basic facts. You know, I mean, you can't, exactly. at some point you just have to block those people and move on. Um, but, but again, like as long as somebody's willing to have a civil discourse, I'm, I'm happy to have that conversation. Um, My hat's off to you. Gonna be a, yeah. I mean, but if you're just going to be a hateful troll, then whatever. Yeah, it's on. Yeah. Yep. Let me throw this last thing at you, and I've done a couple episodes on this because it's so fascinating. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, 80s I was into metal, 90s I was into punk, still into punk and metal to a degree, metal, but definitely still into punk. Um, it was the Christian right, especially against metal, that was so down on metal. And I feel like over the past eight years, and it's been accelerated under Trump, the metal community, if not the old metal guys that are still performing, but the younger metal community and even people my age are really going far right and joining the people who used to call them devil worshipers and communists. And even the punk groups that I'm in, they're posting like memes of Trump and they're like, Trump, Donald Trump's the ultimate punk rocker. And it's like this contorted version of what metal and punk is. Why do you think there's been that shift in a music that was supposed to be so rebellious? Now I see a lot of fall in line with Trump, the police, the status quo. It's crazy to me to see that shift. Uh, I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I think there's always been that element in underground music. Like I said, I came up in St. Louis where we had in, in the punk scene in the 90s, but it was there was a, there were Nazis here. There were like Allen, like gumfuck types, just fucking terrible people. And then really oh, wow. Punk, you know? Um, and so I feel like there's always been that element. I'm, I'm sure the metal scene had those right wing idiots too. Um, they just kind of grew up in those small towns, or maybe they feel like they're rebelling against what they see as the main, you know, PC bag band thing or whatever. I mean, that's what it was in the 90s, right? Um, 
but uh, so I, I'm not exactly sure. I know that uh, there's like a couple of my friends, well, friends on Facebook that I've seen kind of make that shift, and I swear it's a head injury. It's <laughs> 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 so antithetical to everything that kind of music's supposed to be about. And just to see like guys that I grew up with back in the metal scene that like the Christian right used to just call them devil worshipers and communists every day. And now they are like super on that side. And you're right. They, it seems like they're rebelling against facts or they're rebelling against institutions or they're rebelling against just common decency. And then it's like, you know, what are you rebelling against? What do you have? Common decency? I'll rebel against that. But that's never what the – I mean, yeah, there was always assholes in these scenes, and there was always that element. But, I mean, I would say that the metal community itself is more of a right-leaning community than a left-leaning community at this point. Well, there's definitely, like, um, you know, leftist, you know, leftist metal bands and stuff like that. And I think there's kind of, you know, uh, been a movement towards elevating those those voices but you might be right you know uh so i don't know i'm not sure why that is necessarily except that it's kind of, it's just kind of a nihilistic viewpoint of the world like i hate everything i hate everyone equally you know um, but i know <laughs> yeah. what you mean like yeah have you very seen, true uh, um that uh the backlash that the black sabbath had when they put out that black lives matter shirt yeah somebody yeah, else I mean, recently just... did too and it was a big thing i can't remember who it was um somebody you would never um, expected to come out of their camp and uh, yeah I've been seeing a lot of that sort of thing as well but yeah so yeah I don't know the fandom I guess in that that community just again I think they're just looking for something to hate they just need they need a foe yeah but it's not I, a real I, foe it's like a snidely whiplash tie you to the train tracks type it's such a cartoon version of reality yeah I, I yeah, mean honestly yeah. they've never been they haven't been happy at all. Like, uh, you know, Nick, we've had this conversation a million times. It was like Trump was elected. They were mad. Trump uh, in the first year, they were mad. Trump did this. They were still mad. It's like, dude, man, it's like, it's just like you said, I think they just, they need that. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but it, it's just an anger. It's just a, an ongoing anger. And um, it's, 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 I don't know if when I look back at it, it'll you know, I'll look at and, and be in a way of, okay, that was just a period of time. Or if it's like, man, these people are really crazy. Were they always Dude, crazy? I, I just pray <laughs> I live long enough to see what the history books say about this era. I just want to, like, read a history, my, my grandkids' history book 30 years from now and see what it had to say about this era because it is nuts. Yep, yep. It is interesting to, to talk to people, though, who like my dad, for example, who's just, you know, I c call him and complain about what's going on. And he's just like, you know, I've been feeling like the presidency has just been a circus sideshow since they elected Nixon, you know. So, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. It kind of keeps. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Trump is the word. You... So he's got to be the word. <laughs> and I mean, we say that I, we say that yeah yeah I, I i don't i mean i've been i've i just watched the um there's a documentary on netflix about johnny cash and richard nixon um which was really good and um and i'm sitting there watching richard nixon say this stuff and i'm like oh my gosh it's like the same calling points that trump is using now it's just a little more it's 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 more exaggerated now it's it's yeah, not I mean, as eloquent as nixon would say was out of his yeah mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's just read. like, yeah, Nixon could read. So it was like, it came out a little bit better. He could play the piano and stuff like that. But it's like, dude, this dude was saying the stuff that this man right now is saying. He's saying the same thing, the same talking points. Well, Amazing. this is the fruits bearing from, you know, like the John Bircher Society of the 60s and <laughs> 70s. Like this this very, like what was a fringe back then? It's very mainstream now. All right, we got to get out of here. Um, before we head out, kind of talk to us about what you guys have planned, if you can plan anything this year. I know I saw something about the Mutants of Monsters Digital Festival, and I was also wondering yeah. if you were going to have a full-length EP, or EP, a full-length album coming out anytime soon. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, we are going to do um, the Mutants of the Monster Virtual Fest, just a streaming uh, fest with a bunch of um, really great bands you should definitely check out. 16 is on there, Dow, I believe. Um, some really good uh, stuff on that. So we're really excited to do that. It's coming out this month. Um, I don't have an exact date for you, but Mutants of the Monster, definitely check that out. And we are writing an LP. Um, it has been slow going because we can't really get together, um, but it is happening and um, we are very excited to put that out. How is this time awesome. period for um, activism? I mean, activism, obviously, we see people on the streets every day. Has the quarantine, and like Odell was saying earlier, kind of making people ultra-focused? I, I think so many more people saw the George Floyd footage, and that's why that yeah. was the one to finally burst the dam. They would have saw it if there wasn't for quarantine, and they weren't like trapped in the house looking at stuff they normally wouldn't look at. Has it been a net gain as far as being able to organize and for activism or do you think that it's slowed everything down to the point where it's making things come to a standstill? Well, I, you know, um, prior to this election, I probably would have said, it seems like things are slowing down and standing still, but I, I have, I mean, just to see like all these like statues coming down and the like legislation for um, defunding police uh, and uh, the, you know, we expanded Medicare finally in Missouri and yeah, I saw that. was elected. Yeah. And all that stuff just happened. So, um, you know, I don't know. My little perception potentially is not uh, completely accurate on that point. It does seem like people are, it seems like more movement is being made um, now than, than potentially ever before. So it's, I'm hopeful uh, that, that uh, progressivism is, is um, gaining steam. All righty, that's a great place to end. All right, Before yeah. Before we get you out of here, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And please. Oh, my God, thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. I was really excited. You know, you guys have a lot of big, like, guar and dollyras. I was like, <laughs> what are you doing talking to little me? But this is fantastic. I'm super excited. But what um, you guys are doing so is so that. important. Like, I put that on yeah, the same yes, level as any other guests we've had because you're doing such great, important work. That means the world to me. Thank you so much. Before you get out of here, can you please tell us where to find you online? Yeah, um, you can go to redbait.band or um, redbait.bandcamp.com as well as our Bandcamp. And we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, definitely check us out and, um, you know, get you know start a conversation. We love them. Right on. All right. Alrighty, thank you again, and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Nick? Yes. Okay, I can All hear you. All right. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I was just going to kind of see if anybody else was going to take the lead or if we were just going to like end there and go right into the music. Uh, no, uh, I was going to be like, what What are you doing? <laughs> You're trying to mess me up. Stop it. <laughs> I honestly didn't have anything to say and I was thinking somebody else was going to take that. Neither I was like, I thought that was it. I thought the phone, you know, I was like, okay. Uh,